Hello, Believers. This is Dr. Shantae, and welcome to another episode of Believing Bigger Podcast, a podcast that equips entrepreneurs and people who want to create impact in the world, find the tools, the confidence, and most importantly, the faith to believe bigger in their dreams. Let me start with thank yous, as I often do, for heading over to readytobelieve.com and signing up for the freebies because this gives me an opportunity to serve you on a regular basis. I also am asking my subscribers and audience members for what kind of content they want me to develop in this season because we all get a lot of junk mail and we just hit the delete button, but I want us to be better than that. I want us to have this digital, virtual kumbaya, mutually gratifying relationship where you allow me to serve you and it taps into my creative energies and I get to teach and you get to learn and all is well, but I'm not a mind reader. So I cannot possibly know what your needs are unless you tell me what they are. So be looking this week. If you are listening to this the week of January 25th to my social media for the survey. And if you are one of my subscribers, please be sure and fill that out. So this is one of those episodes where somebody going to be feeling some kind of way about me at the end of the episode, because I'm about to be all in your cornflakes. And you know me, it's always in love because this is a season about victory. And victory isn't just over the things that happen to us. Sometimes the victory is something that needs to happen within ourselves. Sometimes we are in our own way. Sometimes we are our worst enemy. And so in this episode, our guiding scripture is coming from the Old Testament. You know how I feel about the Old Testament. It's coming from the Old Testament. And this is a familiar story. It is from 2 Samuel chapter 12. And it is titled, You the Man. You the Man, okay? And it says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the little ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. At this, King David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. So today's episode, You the Man, is all about admitting our faults. And we're going to be talking about these three things. One, absolute power. Number two, the messenger and the method. And number three, the response. So let's talk about absolute power. There is a saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Abraham Lincoln says, if you want to test a man's character, Give him some power. And we know this to be true. We know people that have gotten a little promotion, a little position, a little pub. And then that's when their true character is revealed. What do they do with this newfound prestige, with this newfound power? 
And the Bible describes King David as a man after God's own heart. So as much as David loved the Lord, he was also very powerful. He was a man. He was human, which means he made human mistakes. And as much as he loved God and as much as he had a heart for God, King David had his share of struggles. And one of those struggles, one of his very public struggles and very famous struggles was his struggle with Bathsheba. So let me give you some context. Let's go back to the previous chapter, starting about verse two. And it says, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, David had money because he was the king. He had power. He had respect. He had women at his beck and call. And yet he wanted someone else's wife. That says something right there about the human condition that no matter what we have, if you think about where you were 10 years ago or your starting salary 10 years ago and the kind of money that you make now and the things that you have in your life now, and it's still not enough, but that's another podcast for another day. And so many of us, so getting back to David, okay, so many of us have done these amazing things for God, right? So many of us have used our gifts to build the kingdom. And so many of us have used our platform to change lives. And we are blessed in ways that we never thought possible. But none of the good things that we have done exempts us from temptation. That's just the reality. In fact, when you are working for God, you become even more of a target because if the devil can compromise you, then he can compromise your credibility. And if he can compromise your credibility, then everybody that has followed you and everybody that you've influenced can now look at you and say, "Mm, that's why I don't go to church. Mm, Ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Mm, Look at them. That's why you're such a target. You are a high value asset. If the devil can compromise you, he gets a lot of bang for the buck. It's very strategic. So even though we do all of these great things, it doesn't exempt any of us from temptation. David was a really good king, but it did not exempt him from temptation and none of our possessions. So none of the things that we have exempts us from wanting what someone else has. Isn't that a trip? Isn't it amazing how somebody that has more than you can be envious or jealous of you? Somebody who has the perfect house and somebody who has the quote unquote picture perfect marriage and somebody who has the two kids with the picket fence and the dog and the education and all the rest of it can be looking at you jealous of your anointing, jealous of the way that you're able to interact with people, jealous of the way that you are able to draw people to you. People with more than you can be jealous and covetous of what you have. But the key is most of us don't have the power to act on it, right? You know, we can't just say, hey, Garcon, go and get me such and such as husband and tell him to meet me in the back. No, no, we don't have that kind of juice. We don't have that kind of a pull. But David did. And for some of us, if we want it badly enough, we will figure out how to get it. You know, we weren't always saved. We weren't always walking on the king's highway. Some of us have done some things and wanted some things and wanted to go some places that we had no business associating with. And we figured out how to get it. So long story short, David sees Bathsheba 
He asks for Bathsheba, has sex with Bathsheba, Bathsheba gets pregnant, and now we got a problem. So Bathsheba is pregnant with somebody else's baby, and her husband is out on the front lines fighting a war, which means if he comes home from the war and sees his wife pregnant, he's going to be like, when all this happened? Because I was deployed, and if I do the math, we wasn't doing all of that last time I was here. The math just don't add up. And so what did David do? He was like, hey, send Uriah home. Give him a, a leave of absence. And so he can like sleep with his wife. And then, you know, it could be his baby and not my baby. And Uriah was very devout. He was like, I can't do that. I'm out here fighting. I'm putting my life on the line. My, my, so, my soldiers in arms, you know, they putting their lives on the line. What I look like coming back here, having a good time with my wife. I refuse to do it. And he refused to do it. So David got desperate and here's what happened next. He sent Uriah to the front lines and Uriah was killed. Which brings us to verse 26 of that chapter. When Uriah's wife Bathsheba heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. I want to pause here. And say that sometimes we can become victims of our own success. You know, we start growing a following. We start making money. We start booking engagements. We start getting invited to exclusive events. And we start keeping company with certain people. And sometimes in all of that, we start to lose a little bit of our humility. We start to kind of inch God slowly out of the picture, a really good example of this is old Kanye and new Kanye, right? People say, man, I love the old Kanye. Kanye was a totally different type of guy. He was humble. He was grinding. He always was very, uh, what's the word I want to use? Confident in his abilities. But to the level that he is now, and yes, of course, now we know that that mental health challenges are playing a role in all of that. But Kanye as he is today is not the same Kanye as he was when he was trying to get on. Okay. When he was trying to get famous, when he was trying to make that money. So the, the closer that he got to the dream life, quote unquote, things changed. Okay. So he's not that same person. And that happens to us a lot of times, you know, so I'm not going to sit here and judge Kanye because I see it happen to regular everyday broke people all the time, you know, so we get a little something and we start getting a little this and we get a little taste of the good life. And all of a sudden, you know, God starts hitting the back burner. But when we was broke, when we were struggling, when we wanted to make it happen, we was on our ashy knees, like in our devotions and, and praying up and, and all of that. But then God blesses us with the thing that we asked for. And all of a sudden it's like, thanks. And we all into the next thing. And when we do that, Ephesians 6, 27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. The devil is always looking for a foothold. He is always looking for a means to exploit you, to bring your house of cards crashing down. And so he will use pride and hubris. He will use selfishness. He will use your fame and your popularity. He's always looking for an angle, always looking for a way to get his toes in the door, which brings us to the method and the messenger. When you assume a position of leadership, you should 
always have trusted people in your circle to advise you. I'm not talking about fans. I'm not talking about groupies. I'm talking about people that's going to tell you when your elbows are ashy and when your breath stink. Okay. Like people that are just going to give it to you real people that are going to ground you and let you know that, but for the grace of God, you could still be back where you used to be. Okay. So not to let these, these blessings go to your head. And sometimes, you know, we cannot be trusted not to be biased or not to make impulsive decisions without thinking it through or not to take on more than we can actually handle. And that's where the beauty of advisors comes in. So David had several advisors in his kingdom. And one of those advisors was Nathan. Now, Nathan was not in an enviable position because the Lord had chosen him out of everybody else in the kingdom to go and check the king. You know how like Sheree back in that first couple of seasons of like Real Housewives of Atlanta, which I never watched, but I did happen to catch the Who Gonna Check Me Boo episode. David had that kind of clout, like, I'm the king. Who gonna check me, boo? Like, what you gonna say? What you gonna do? Who gonna come check me? And Nathan was the person that was chosen to go and check David. Now, in the game of chess, if you've ever played the game of chess or know anything about it, in chess, when a player moves to check the king, the king is in danger of being captured. Okay, so we're getting that is a, a boss move. And David was in danger. Okay, Nathan being sent to check the king meant that David was in danger. He had abused his power. He had committed adultery. He had committed murder. And God was not pleased with him. And so God moved Nathan in a position to go and check the king to let him know you are walking on thin ice with the Lord. So that's where we start with second Samuel chapter 12, where it says the Lord sent Nathan to David. And so God sent a messenger to him like, look, we need to talk. Okay. We need to have a conversation. And likewise, God will send people in our lives that are looking at our platform and reading our social media posts. And when we go off script, okay. When we deviate from God's word and God's plan, God loves us enough to send messengers to bring us back in alignment. But in human nature, what is it that we do? More times than not, when somebody comes to check you about yourself or tell you about yourself, we typically do one of four things, okay? And the fourth response is really rare. The first response is to deny, which means, what? I'm not doing that. You crazy. Or we defend. You don't know my situation. You you don't know what it's like to be in my shoes. And so my behavior is justifiable. Or we deflect. You talking about me. Well, why not talk about you? And so that we don't have to focus on our own issues. And that fourth response, very rarely do people own their actual behavior. We're going to get to that, but hold on to that thought. And I am super guilty of this. I'm going to put that, I'm going to own that right now. I am super guilty of this. I am not the kind of person that will immediately embrace your feedback and thank you for your wise counsel. My knee jerk reaction is to get offended and then get defensive and then get angry and then tell you about yourself. So I'm definitely in that defend and deflect category. And I'm not proud of that. I am not proud of that. That is an area for growth. So remember when I said I was going to be all in your cornflakes, I'm all in my cornflakes too. Okay. More times than not, (laughs) 
more than half of these podcasts, I'm talking about myself. But just as this is an area of growth for me, this is also an area of growth for many of you. We all know people that act like they know every doggone thing. You can't tell them anything. And the thing is, when we're being used by God to accomplish his plan, that means that we can't be unapproachable. People have to be able to come to us. People have to be able to feel like we're accessible, that we are receptive to feedback. Because if we're not, then it cannot just turn them off from us. It can turn them off from God. And see, when you're building the kind of platforms that many of us are trying to build, you can't do that. The stakes are too high. It's not just about you. So you can't be mean girls. You know, we can't be so VIP that people can't talk to you because what we're doing is bigger than us. God didn't have to choose us. He could have chose the Bible. The Bible says, look, if you don't praise me, I will choose the rocks to praise me. I don't need you but I chose you. So what we're doing is bigger than us. God does not need us. And so we always need to keep that humble perspective. And we have to walk a a narrow path because as I said earlier, if we stumble, we could take hundreds or thousands of people right on over the cliff with us. When you become a believer, a believer in action, your sin, your missteps, your screw ups have a ripple effect. It impacts more than you, your disobedience or your inability to, to listen to others or heed wise counsel, your pride, your ego may very well block somebody's ability to be healed or encouraged or restored. You can't pack up your toys and go home anymore. It doesn't work that way. You are accountable to the people that God has called you to shepherd. And more times than not, we ain't trying to hear that. Okay. But it's the truth. And if you don't want the responsibility, don't take the job. Don't take the job. So that's why Nathan didn't just tell David straight up what he had done. He couldn't just go to David like, look, man, you foul. He painted a picture. He appealed to David's sense of morality because more times than not, David was a man after God's own heart, except in this particular instance, he had screwed up. Which brings us back to our guiding text. There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. And when David heard this story, David was heated. He had this moral and this righteous indignation. Verse five says that David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. And that's how it is, isn't it? It is so easy to point out and be indignant about somebody else's shortcomings and wrongdoings. We get mad at other people for things that we do. Oftentimes we are the pot calling the kettle black, which is exactly why the Bible says you need to take the beam out of your eye before you go and take the speck out of somebody else's eye. You better check yourself before you go over there trying to check others. Verse seven, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. And so now Nathan is about to break down God's position on the whole matter. 
God says, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Which brings us to our response. So God's position was, dude, I gave you everything. And if I didn't give you enough, I would have given you anything that you had asked for. Why did you have to go this route? Why did you have to do this? And there's no answer for that. There's no response to that because there's no good reason for that. This reminds me of the old folks in the South. They used to say, you might get by, but you won't get away. As much as God loves you and because God loves you, he's going to address your sin. He is going to address your shortcomings. He's going to address your screw ups. He's like, Hey, I gave you these gifts. I gave you these followers. I gave you this money. I gave you these blessings. I kept you from this and I kept you from that. And if you had just reached out and you had prayed to me, then I would have blessed you even more. So why did you go and throw shade at that other entrepreneur that was struggling to try to get her numbers up? Why did you go over there and try to politic and try to schmooze somebody and try to take what somebody else has? Why? And there's just no good reason for that. There's no good reason for that. This is why Philippians, what Paul says, in whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. There's a blessing in contentedness. And that's a, a podcast for another day too. But Because God loves you, he is going to check you. He is going to check your behavior. He's not going to let you just slide on out the door and act like that didn't happen. He does not operate like that. He cannot allow you to operate in his name with dirty laundry on the line. It just doesn't work that way. And don't give me the deflections, okay? Because now you're about to give me the rundown of every crooked preacher that's doing these types of things and taking people's money and blah, 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 blah. Do you really think that God does not already have their comeuppance well planned out? This is what the Bible means when he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He's not going to let you just slide out the door and not address your shenanigans. Hebrews 6, 6 says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. In other words, because the Lord loves you, he's going to whoop you. And verse seven says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten or discipline? But if you are without chastening, of which you all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. In other words, God is saying you can't get the benefits and not have any of the responsibilities. You have to take the good with the bad, the crooked with the straight. You can't have all of the good. Oh, God is love. God is merciful. God is wonderful. God is, he won't he do it. You can't have all of that. And then think that you can step out of line and think that he won't address it. He said, no, 
This is an all encompassing relationship. When you do well, I will bless you. And when you step out of line, you're going to suffer the consequences. He says, I do that because I'm a loving parent. We all know people who have children that they do not discipline. And how do those children behave? Discipline serves a purpose, okay? It deters negative behavior. If you think about your, as you're thinking about your platform and who you want to be and who you want to be those things for, you want to be the man, then you got to be the whole man, okay? You know, you want the title and you want the respect and you want all the accolades that come with it, okay? But you also have to take all the responsibilities that come with it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You want the title? You want to be the person in charge? Then you have to be willing to take everything that comes along with it. And David's whole response to this situation. So after after Nathan confronted him, his whole response to this situation is in Psalms 51. It's a psalm that I often have gone to when I know I have stepped out of line. And he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. You know, when we do dirt or when we do things that we have no business doing or when we do things that are just contrary to what God has asked us to do, we need to be humble about it. We need to be repentant about it. You know, God forgave David, but he suffered the consequences. Nathan said, the sword will never leave your house. And if you read David's story, David's sons abused his daughters. One son killed another son. And one son ran David all the way up out of his own house and out of the kingdom and tried to overthrow him. The thing is, God loves you and he will forgive you and he will restore you, but you will suffer the consequences. And that's the part that we don't like. That's the part that we kind of dip and try to like, well, you know, well, no, 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 no. There's going to be some consequences and those consequences teach us a lesson. Hopefully they teach us not to do those things again. So he will restore, he will bless, but we have to anticipate the consequences and accept them as a condition of the relationship and the responsibilities of leadership. So that, as they say, is that I hope I didn't step on your toes too badly, but that is the reality of leadership, godly leadership. When you're a believer and you're trying to build a platform and you're trying to serve people, you have to be willing to understand the traps of leadership, because if you get too much power, you get too much pub, don't, don't forget who put you there. And then at the end of it, if you mess up, if you screw up, own it. Okay. Because nothing makes people lose respect for you more than somebody who will not take responsibility for their actions. And so if you have any questions, any comments, any takeaways, hit me up at Dr. Shante says on Twitter, on Instagram, subscribe to readytobelieve.com. Make sure that you sign up so that you can get all the freebies and the goodies. I'm going to be doing classes and retreats. And so you don't want to miss any of that stuff. And I will see you next time. Thank you.